0: You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Campus Beat. My name is Dinah Jansen, and I am in the virtual studio today with Dr. Ian Garner, the Academic Skills Outreach Coordinator at Student Academic Success Services here at Queen's University. Hello, Ian. Hi. Hi. Welcome, again. Welcome back. This is not the first time you've been on Campus Beat. It's a real pleasure to have you back. Um, Okay, so Ian, we are moving into exam season at Queen's University, a very busy time for all students and certainly their TAs and their professors as well. But for students, we are going to be talking about all kinds of resources and supports that are available for students so that they can not only survive, but thrive and stay well as they prepare and as they write their exams at the end of this term. So before doing that Ian, can you remind us a little bit about yourself and your role uh, at Student Academic Success Services?
1: Absolutely, so firstly I would like to apologize for the piano music in the background. My wife is teaching a piano lesson in the next room and while I've closed the door there will be a soundtrack to this uh, this whole interview.
0: Oh beautiful!
1: (laughs) So my role at Student Academic Success Services is all about outreach. So I organize workshops, events, drop-in sessions, all the kind of outward-facing stuff we do at SAS. I'm probably the person behind it, or at least I've got my uh, fingers in that particular pie. We also, of course, run a ton of one-on-one appointments. So if students want some support with exam prep, with their writing, we have English as an additional language specialists on staff as well. And students can access all of that for free. It's all available. They can go to our website, which is sass.queensu.ca, and they'll find everything we do is right there and is fairly accessible. I think the website is easy to navigate. Um, And you're right, the exam prep is kind of going to be a novel challenge this year. Everything has been a novel challenge this semester, but exams are particularly tricky. we can get into this over the course of the next few minutes, but hopefully I'll be able to give you some advice about the services we offer, but also some tips and tricks that anyone can apply and just start using now without having to do any extra visitation of services or going to workshops or anything like that.
0: Amazing, okay. So before uh, talking about some of these resources uh, that are available, can we also talk about, first, some of the obstacles that students, in fact, face when it comes to staying well and staying ahead during exam prep? Many students are coming into exams without ever having written them at the university level before and may not necessarily recognize that they are in the middle of a particular obstacle uh, and, and might not be sure how to address it. So what kinds of obstacles might they face?
1: Well, I think it, it depends on the nature of the particular course or the major that students are in. But typically, especially if we're thinking about first-year students who are going through all of this for the very first time, then the problems they encounter are usually figuring out how to manage what appears to be a very large amount of content, understanding what's expected in terms of revision and preparation, understanding conceptually the kinds of work that they're expected to do to prepare to show off how much they know or what they need to know on the exam. And then of course, actually sitting the exam itself is, is always intimidating. It's always scary going through something new like that. And students this year are gonna find that problem is exacerbated by the fact that they may not have a big other group of students around them who are all piling off to the exam hall together and can support each other and so on and so forth. Instead, you're kind of stuck in your room for most people at home, often on your own, and there may not be people around you that you can turn to for quick support and advice. I think that just makes it a little bit harder this year.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that. Um, All right, so how has COVID-19 and distance learning then amplified some of these issues? In turn, has COVID-19 revealed other difficulties students may encounter related to exam preparation and, of course, staying well?
1: Well, I think, and I began to touch on this a little bit in the last answer, but I would say over the course of the semester, the, the difficulty is firstly in not having that community, especially as a first-year student. Normally, if you're on campus, there's a bit of a herd mentality, right? If you're not quite sure what's going on, and I'm thinking especially back to my own experience as a first-year undergraduate student quite a while ago, you can just kind of follow everybody else around, right? You're in residence, you get up, you see people going to the study hall, you're able to just quickly broach the question of, hey, do you know how to find the exam room? Hey, do you know what we're allowed to do here? Are we allowed to use a calculator? Is this permitted? What should we be doing? That's not always beneficial, because the herd is sometimes wrong in terms (laughs) of how they prepare for exams. But it just takes some of the pressure off, right? And so we're seeing students feeling a little bit isolated this year because they're cut off from community. And especially if you're already stressed and nervous about an expectation that you're placing on yourself or that you feel that you have that you want to do really, really well at exams, not having other people around you to support you and give you some sense of accountability and to lift you up when you're struggling, that's just a little bit harder this year. And I think the other thing that we're seeing, and this is a problem for all students and not just first year students, is the rash of different types of exams that are appearing this year. Professors are creating new solutions. Some of them are using these proctoring softwares. Some of them are creating multiple choice exams, which you can't go backwards on. Other people are taking away exams and doing a sort of version of a take-home exam, which is the kind of exam where they just give you questions and you just have to submit the answers in two or three hours. But other than that, there's no real sort of conditions or restrictions on the exam. Mm. Other professors have abolished exams altogether. Which is great in one respect, because you don't have to think about the rest of the things we're going to talk about, but it means then you've got to go away and write a bigger report or a bigger paper and do some other piece of work. So we're just seeing this sort of appearance of lots of different things, which means the advice is becoming less standardized that we're giving out, which is why we've thrown together a whole new range of things and support services and ways to support students this, this uh, exam season.
0: Okay, so yes, back when I was an undergrad, we sat in Jacques Hardy Arena at Queen's University with hundreds of other students at a time and furiously wrote three-hour exams in uh, full-scat booklets. And until recently, in-person proctored exams on paper was still the usual practice. So for those professors that are still actually conducting exams, what are they going to look like this year? Can you give us a few examples? So
1: let's go with a scenario that is probably the most tricky or the most intimidating on the surface. Let's say you have an exam in a big course where you're given a time that you must sit the exam. So it's up to you to make sure that the, the tech is working and that you're ready to go on whenever the exam is, 18th of December, noon eastern time and i know that throws up some difficulties immediately because people might be in different time zones so we have lots of students who are from china and the time difference is uh, 12 hours so you might be writing an exam in the middle of the night and that takes some preparation right as you might want to change your sleep schedule in the days leading up to the exams you feel a little more awake late in the evening or even if you know, you're off on the western coast of Canada and you've got a three hour time difference. That might mean that you're still writing an exam at six or seven o'clock in the morning, right? So we need to prepare for that. And then the tech, a- the tech aspect is a problem. What if the internet connection doesn't work? This can be a bit scary, but the key is always when these things go wrong, let somebody know as soon as possible. Try and document things, take screenshots. I will leave that to the registrar to answer questions about specifics, but don't panic if it happens to you. We understand and the university knows that this is an issue this year and things might happen. Don't be tempted to cheat your way out of the exam, though, by fraudulently claiming that things aren't working. You will get in a whole heap of trouble if you're discovered, and you will be discovered. Um, Then let's let's come to the actual writing of the exam. Some professors are using proctoring software, and you can find information about that on the registrar's website, where somebody will be essentially watching you and making sure that you aren't using any non-permitted aids during the time of writing of the exam. And I understand that can be a little intimidating, but I would try and picture it mentally as writing any exam that you're gonna be writing in person Where normally, yeah, you would go to the arena or the example, somebody would be watching you. There's no difference to the way that you're gonna prepare for these exams and the way that you can conceptually approach them. But I understand it's new and it's strange and it's something that most people haven't encountered before. So the sooner you can think about, well, do I have a quiet space? do i understand what aids are permitted for this exam am i allowed to use that calculator or the protractor or the you know the sheet of notes and so on and so forth ask your professors ask your teaching assistants get the information so you know what's expected and on the exam day you don't suddenly discover two minutes before the exams due to start that i'm in the wrong place i can't have any of these things in the room i'm not supposed to be doing this And even if, you know, you've done the prepare and you're a confident student and you can do without them, that's just going to rack up the anxiety a few extra levels. So the more you can find out about the conditions in advance, the better you will do and the more confident you will feel.
0: Ah, okay. So with these ideas in mind, Ian, in what ways is SAS supporting students this year? Let's start first with programming and resources to stay well, manage time, and really get the most from study time ahead of the exam period.
1: We have a ton of resources available to you. If you don't wanna meet with somebody else and you just want some quick bits of advice, if you go to our website, you will find a huge range of online resources about test and exam prep, everything from scheduling your time and figuring out which topics you need to revise or review and then how to do that revision and review effectively and efficiently so you don't feel like you're just trying to, you know, cram a thousand page textbook into your brain, which isn't isn't optimal and is very uh, demotivating. All the way to the writing of the exam itself, how to manage your time within the exam, how to stay calm during the exam, we have a really awesome resource on test anxiety, maybe we could talk about test anxiety separately in a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a good starting point. If you just want some advice now and some sort of a few tips and tricks, that's a good way to start. Then over the next couple of weeks, we have a range of workshops available to students. So. Next week, we will have, I believe, on the Monday and Tuesday evening, so December the 6th and 7th, and you will find the event calendar on our homepage to so you'll be able to find this. We have a couple of drop-ins for students. So we have one that's uh, an evening for arts courses. So we'll be talking about the exams for English, History, Sociology. I'm not sure if they actually have an exam this year off the top of my head, but a range of first-year big arts courses. And then the next evening, we have science courses. So Psych 100 is the bigger one. Psych 100 seems to be the exam that um, taxes first-year students or has the most sort of uh, community anxiety around it. We'll talk about bio, uh, math. I don't remember which math course code it is, but one of the math first-year courses, 124 probably. And then physics, 117 or 118.
0: Okay. All right. So... You mentioned test anxiety, uh, which is, of course, a very real experience for many students in any learning environment. So how might students first recognize and then address test anxiety before exams and when they're actually doing them?
1: Great. So I think the first step is to recognize that anxiety is normal. Everybody has some sort of nervousness or worry when they're writing an exam. And if you think about your picture of a regular exam hall, right, you're not going to be looking at other people this year, but sometimes you get the people who race into the exam hall and just before they're all high-fiving each other and kind of like, you know, they feel pumped up and ready to go and they look super confident. But guess what? That kind of jumpy energy, that's still a form of gentle anxiety. Their, Their hearts are still beating faster and their palms are still sweating. Then you get you know the sort of regular level of anxiety that most people have which is you know maybe you didn't want to eat that full huge breakfast before the exam and you're maybe feeling a little a little queasy maybe you're not thinking quite clearly as clearly as you would do normally all the way up to what i would say is a more more worrisome anxiety where you are so worried that maybe your mind blanks in the exam Maybe you really feel genuinely physically ill, you can't think at all, your head's swimming, the sickness is so extreme that maybe you actually vomit or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend looking into test anxiety wherever you are on that spectrum and recognize that everybody has some sort of nervousness. And the first thing that I would do is to start thinking about this now by asking, what are the elements of the exam that I can control? So what I can control is, like we already talked about, knowing what's going to be expected in advance. How many questions are going to be on the exam? Do I know which topics are likely to come up or will definitely come up? Can I make sure that I get a good night's sleep for the few nights leading in? Can I eat healthily? I not all right, the morning of the exam might be a little tricky, but think about the few days coming into the exam. All of the things that you would normally do to stay fit and healthy, can I keep doing them? Can I make sure that I'm not cramming the day before the exam? And I would recommend to students do very little preparation the night before the exam or the morning before the exam. How much are you really going to be learning cramming two hours before the exam? Probably not much, but you're going to be racking up the anxiety. So these are things you can control. Even when you're in the exam, you can continue to control things. If you've got, let's say, 20 multiple choice questions to do over the course of an hour, well, you have no idea what's going to be in the questions. But what you can do is know that I'm going to spend three minutes on every question. If I've got an hour, 20 questions, three minutes per question, that's going to roughly keep me on track, right? It's going to keep me moving forward. Mm-hmm. I can control things like my breath. And so I would look into it, and if you look on our website or if you just Google, you'll find tons of these breathing and grounding exercises. Things like box breathing, breathing according to counts, you know, where you breathe in and count to seven or six, you find different variations, breathe out a certain number as well. Practice doing these things and advance the exam. And during the exam, if you find yourself getting stressed, if you find yourself, you know, the brain is beginning to give way in some way, stop, gather your thoughts, try some breathing exercises, and remember that even if you're not moving forward at a fast pace through the exam, it's a wise investment of your time to pause just to kind of lower that anxiety a little and then keep moving forward afterwards. Because I think... Mm -hmm especially when you're anxious. This is the real problem. If you suffer from that anxiety where it's so bad that you really feel physically ill, then please come and work with our staff. You can work with our staff one-on-one. You can book appointments to do so or book an appointment with wellness. And this is an area where kind of learning strategies support and student success support and wellness. There is some gray area there about who to come and see. But if you're worried about this, come and see either of us and we'll connect you with the people that are going to be able to help you best. But if you're, you know, slightly before that point, then what you've got to understand about exam writing at university is that in high school, almost everything you do tends to be about memorization. It tends to be quite Mm -hmm. visual. The teacher basically tells you a fact, and you find some facts in a book. You throw them at the page, you tend to get a good grade. Or wait, I'm, I'm simplifying a little bit. But at university, what we're asked to do is think conceptually we're asked to interrogate and analyze facts, right? We're asked to use theories to question, question what we're seeing. We're asked to apply theories in new ways, whether it's calculus using a, an appropriate function or equation to tackle some problem, or whether it's English literature and you're asked to look at a, you know, a poem or a short excer- excerpt and explain what's going on behind it and how it works, right? You're using theories. Mm-hmm. If you're anxious, you can't do that kind of thinking. You just can't do it. All you can do is that sort of superficial shooting out of random facts and information, which might have worked in high school. But I see a lot of students who tell me, I understood everything when I was preparing for the exam. I did great on practice exams. And we talk about it. And it's like, yeah, you do. You do understand things. And then they get into the exam and they, they somehow they struggle in the exams. And it is frequently linked to anxiety where they're so anxious they can't do this sort of lateral critical thinking in the exam. So it's well worth doing some practice with those breathing exercises and thinking about these things you can can control in advance of the exam.
0: What would you say, too, about uh, looking at one question at a time as opposed to thinking about the whole exam at once?
1: In an ideal world, if I was coming into an exam, I would spend a few minutes at the beginning of the exam Slowing things down, looking through the entire paper, if I can, if I'm allowed. We'll talk about what if you're not allowed, because that's a common question we're seeing in a second. Looking through the entire exam, making a plan for myself of I'm going to spend X amount of minutes on the first question. I'm going to be halfway through the exam by whatever point. I want to do that survey because frequently exams get harder as they go on, right? Or there's just some bugbear question that's difficult for you that pops up unexpectedly halfway through the exam. That's going to take you longer, right? So if you have those 20 multiple choice questions, don't assume that they will all take you three minutes. Maybe some at the beginning are going to be really, really easy and then it gets more difficult. So if you can survey, then great. Make yourself a plan and then leave time at the end to check your answers and come back. And we have a great system for working through multiple choice exams, specifically called the three-pass method. You'll find it on our website. I won't describe it now, but it's really cool. It's really simple and it works really, really well. If you can't look through the entire exam, Then I'd want to make a plan of how long I'm going to spend per question, and avoid avoid the temptation of getting bogged down in the first questions. Right. So if you're stuck on a question, don't spend 20 minutes on it. If you plan to spend three minutes on it, because then you've left yourself no time for the rest of the exam, and you're just going to get more and more anxious as you go and you fall behind the clock. But contrarily, don't also race through the questions because there will be a temptation looking at a difficult question just to guess the answer. Hit next to make it go away, right? Instant gratification. I just don't want to look at this anymore, so I'm just going to pick something and move on. Don't be tempted to do that either if you can't see the rest of the questions. Of course, if you know the answer and you've got it correct, then great. Hit the answer, move on. Don't waste more time on it. But those difficult questions, don't be tempted to either get stuck on them and let the rest of the exam go away or just to move forward quickly.
0: Okay so you did uh, highlight that students can turn to SAS as well as student wellness for supports. Um, So where specifically like websites and social media might they be able to find you if we can't actually um, access the services and resources in person at this point?
1: Great so everything we everything we would usually offer is online this year. We're very fortunate that we've been doing online appointments for several years anyway. So this move to, to virtual work was not a great surprise for us and not a great pivot. Um, and if you go to our website, sass.queensu.ca, you will find all of the information you need. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, and we're very active and we'll share all of the stuff we have going on and some of those resources and tips. The handle for all of our social media is Um if you go to the website, you will find four big blue buttons right there. You will find information about events, information about online resources, and a button to book an appointment. And if you want to book an appointment, come and work with one of our staff one-on-one. Because especially when we're dealing with things at the end of the semester, and as unique as something like test anxiety or preparation, everybody's circumstances are unique, right? So generic advice that works for other people might not work for you. So book those appointments, come work with us. You can do so virtually. Our staff are really awesome. They're really knowledgeable. They are genuine experts in what they do. And it's a really nice opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation about what's going on for you right now, what you're worried about and what you want to excel in and figure out a really solid plan for doing well.
0: Okay. So uh, before we close, I suppose one question is with your particular uh, expertise in the role that you have at SAS, is there anything that you know now that you had wished you'd known when you were an undergrad?
1: Make a plan for exam revision. It's the simplest thing. And if you go to our website, there is a, we have a sort of template that you can use to do this. But understand what you're going to study, when you're going to study it, don't aim to do huge blocks of time all at once mix things up do a little bit on each course every day start early and even 10 or 15 minutes here and there in your plan and in your revision is going to help you there is a temptation to think i want to sit down i'm going to spend three eight hour days studying for psych 100 and then moving on to the next thing well that is exhausting and it turns your brain to mush so just aim to make a solid plan where you mix things up a little bit keep yourself fresh five or 10 minutes to revise a question, practice a question, look at something that, you know, maybe you thought you'd forgotten from a few weeks ago and just keep moving forward that way. Don't assume you need to be kind of, you know, working away for hours at a time every day, but don't have zero plan either. If I knew in my first year undergraduate exams that I should have created a revision schedule, then I would have done a lot better than I did.
0: thank you very much all right folks we have been chatting with ian garner who is with the student academic success services office here at queen's university and we've been sitting in the virtual studio talking about amazing resources and services for students to survive and thrive up to and during exams this year thank you so much ian for joining us
1: thank you for having me and good luck everybody
0: for tuning into our conversation with Ian Garner right here on Campus Beat. Stay tuned. Next week we'll be talking with Professor Catherine McKittrick about a new black studies minor here at Queen's University. In campus news this week, there is a new food service partnership focusing on diversity, nutrition and sustainability with the university. Over the summer, Queen's Hospitality Services launched its new food service management partnership with Aramark Canada with a focus on sustainability, fair trade and local products and a renewed commitment to variety, cultural authenticity and nutrition. The Queen's Hospitality Services team is directly involved in the ongoing review of campus food services, the strategic expansion and development of food operations, and identifies and executes renovation projects. Jennifer Pete, the Associate Director of Housing and Ancillary Services, stated to the Gazette that they have already implemented several innovative challenges to what is available on campus, in addition to the required health and safety measures that are in place due to the ongoing pandemic. As the partnership with Aramark continues to grow, Queen's will be introducing more services, including a customer feedback initiative, the expansion of mobile ordering, and the development of a new grocery platform service. In the meantime, all dining halls and retail food locations have expanded grab-and-go options and reduced physical interactions in purchasing food to maximize safety and physical distancing on campus. For more information about on-campus dining holiday hours, menus, and all programs and services, students can visit the Queen's Hospitality Services website. And for more information on all food-related resources on campus, visit the Food Access Resources Guide on the Student Affairs website. And in other major news for Queen's University, Queen's University Nobel Laureate Arthur Macdonald has been honoured by the National Sciences and Engineering Research Council of Canada, otherwise known as NSERC, with a national prize in his name. The Arthur B. Macdonald fellowships will recognise early stage academic researchers in the natural sciences and engineering and support them to enhance their research capacity so that they can become global leaders in their field. Worth $250,000 over two years, these awards were previously known as the EWR Stacy Memorial Fellowships, and 10 have been previously awarded to Queen's researchers, including Professors John Small, Troy Day, Ahmed Hassan, and Peter Bogue. Professor MacDonald told the Gazette that it's a tremendous honor from NSERC and that he's particularly pleased because these fellowships will support early-stage academic researchers at such a critical point, point in their careers. And finally, Queen's University students Matthew Hines and Jevon Marsh have been selected as 2021 Rhodes Scholars, earning each of them a prestigious scholarship at the University of Oxford, worth more than $100,000. From their selection, Hines, a second-year medical student, and Marsh, who recently earned a master's degree in chemistry, brings the university's overall Rhodes Scholars to a total of 60. Congratulations, Matthew and Jevon! Best wishes from CFRC.